Here, let me invite you to open up God's Word with me today to the New Testament letter of Ephesians. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 today, and we've been journeying through this letter, this portion of the Bible, and today we'll, we'll wrap up our time in Ephesians. And we've been in a sub-series of Ephesians on relationships, marriage, relationships, uh, and the gospel. And the most important relationship is... Your relationship with the Lord. The most important relationship that any of us could have is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the good news, as we just sung, this one loves us with an unfailing love. He is good and he is kind and he is gracious and he is committed to us and he welcomes us to walk in relationship with him. A relationship with Jesus, a relationship through which we have Peace with God. Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with God today, regardless of whatever you're facing in your life or whatever's going on in the world? Are you at peace with God? And though we have peace with God, that doesn't mean that life is peace. One day we'll fully experience peace perfect peace in the presence of God. We sang about that moments ago. Our hope in life and in death is in the Lord. It's in Christ. One day we'll experience this perfect peace in the presence of God. But right now, we're at war. There's a war going on in the world. Right right even now, there's, there's a physical fight unfolding in Eastern Europe with worldwide implications. But that war that we're seeing and hearing about, that war that we're seeing on television, is only a glimpse of a larger war, an ongoing battle in which we're called to engage, an ongoing battle in which we're called to fight. And in our text for this morning, Paul tells us how to fight this battle. So we're in Ephesians chapter 6, and we need to hear from the Lord. Let's hear from The Lord, as you find your place there in this portion of the Bible, would you join me standing, whether in body or in spirit, for the reading of God's holy word. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through the end of the chapter. Paul writes, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth, buckled, around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel 
for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that we have it and that we can read it and hear it today. Speak to us by your Spirit's presence and guidance through it for the glory of your name, the good of your church, the spread of your kingdom. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Here we come to the end of this letter that Paul is writing to the church in the first century in Ephesus. And imagine Paul, a prisoner, a prisoner in Rome writing this letter while chained to a Roman soldier. Imagine Paul, a student of the word, a student of the scriptures and a servant of the gospel drawing on Old Testament passages with images of God as a mighty warrior calling his troops into battle. And according to this apostle turned prisoner of Christ, there's an enemy on the attack. And the only way to withstand his attack is in the Lord. There's a very real sense in which we believers, people of faith, should expect opposition in this world. Paul's in chains telling his readers to get ready because they too are in a spiritual battle. You see, following Jesus is not a passive pursuit. It's not a casual calling, but it's constant surrender to our captain, to our head, a perpetual readiness that comes from walking in relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This isn't, this isn't a your best life now kind of faith, but this is a deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus kind of faith. In other words, worldly comforts aren't the end goal here. Faithfulness to Jesus is. That's what this text is about. It's a call to stand firm upon the gospel of grace in the midst of the devil's sly attacks to get us to compromise. It's the message I think John records in the book of Revelation to the seven churches when he says things like, To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. To be victorious is to remain faithful to the very end. It's to stand firm in the Lord Jesus Christ. And once again, I, I can't help but think of Ukrainian soldiers, trained and untrained, standing their ground, protecting their homeland in the midst of an ongoing 
onslaught. Their greatest weapon against Putin's army isn't their machinery. It's not their guns and ammunition, javelins or stingers, as important as those things may be, but it's their determination to stand their ground, believing they will win in the end. I mean, you've, you've seen and heard these interviews, I'm certain, where ordinary folks, civilians, even leaders, members of parliament, even the president are confident that in the end they will win this battle. Friends, we too are in a battle, a different kind of battle. And our greatest weapon is that the outcome of the battle is rigged and the victor is on our side. He's on our side. And not only is he on our side, but his strength, according to the word, according to this letter, according to Ephesians, the strength of the victor is available to the saved. It's available to us. That's what this text is about. God calls the saved. He calls his people. He calls the saved to appropriate his strength for spiritual battle. God calls the saved, those who know him, those who've turned to Christ for salvation, those who are forgiven of their sins, those who are united to Christ, who are In Christ, he calls the saved to appropriate his strength, to take his strength, to devote themselves to him, to appropriate his strength for spiritual battle. Jesus has already won the victory. Laying down his sinless life for guilty sinners, being raised from the dead by the power of God, and now seated in the heavenly realms, right? At the right hand of God in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. He's on his everlasting throne, holding sovereign power over every enemy. And get this, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, his incomparably great power is available for us who believe. You see, our greatest and only weapon for spiritual battle is Jesus. And Jesus is all we need. This text is a clarion call for us to continually gaze in faith upon the Lord Jesus Christ. For without Christ, we are doomed to fail. Without Jesus, we will fail. For there's a battle raging for our souls. According to the word, according to... Ephesians chapter 6, there's a battle going on right now, a battle raging for our souls, a battle raging with a wicked enemy who desires nothing more than to rob God of the glory that he deserves. And since he knows he's doomed, since the enemy knows that he's doomed, since Satan knows Jesus' victory has already been announced to every corner of the cosmos, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. He takes every opportunity to take out his frustration on us. So, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, don't be fooled. Let's not be fooled. The devil is real. And he's a schemer. He's called the God of this age elsewhere in the Bible, the ruler of this world, and the evil one. He's sly, he's cunning, and he's permanently opposed to God. 
I have no doubt in my mind that Vladimir Putin is under the sway of the evil one. He's practicing injustice and he's propagating lies. But many of us are holding on to a glimmer of hope that his heart may be softened and that his ways may suddenly be changed as other leaders in the world and his own people began to put pressure on him. We pray that he would change and and he may. But the devil will not change. His mind is set, permanently bent toward pride, opposing God and his people. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul's not talking about political leaders here. But he's talking about spiritual enemies. He's talking about the devil and his minions who are doomed to defeat, yet who aim to rob Jesus Christ of the glory that he alone deserves by luring us to succumb to the lies, his lies and temptation. Any wrestlers in here? Anybody wrestle like back in high school? Nobody? I see one. James did. Anybody wrestle? Herschel did. Anybody wrestle for fun, right? Anybody wrestle with your siblings? Yeah, I bet there's a bit of that that took place. Well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a wrestler, but the word here for struggle is the word for a wrestling match. That's what Paul says here. For our struggle, that's the word for a wrestling match. I, I know that wrestling is a close contact sport, right? You can't wrestle somebody from a distance. It's involving intense conflict, suggesting that our enemy, that the devil is not, is not firing ballistic missiles from a distant. No, he's upon us, aiming to suddenly deceive us into questioning the goodness of our God, discouraging us from believing what we've been told, discouraging us that we've been, uh, from believing that we've been fully forgiven in Christ, discouraging us from believing the truths of the gospel. Leading us to believe lies, which is why Paul has already warned us in chapter 4, verse 27. He says, do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give him a a foothold. Don't give him even an inch of ground. Don't succumb. Don't entertain his lies. Peter would state it like this in 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, resist him. How do you resist him? Standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. How do we defeat the enemy? How do we resist the devil? We stand firm with faith in Christ. I said I'm not a wrestler. I did get in a fight this last week. It lasted a couple evenings. It was a fight with about a 15-foot holly tree. It was a tree. It has been in its spot for quite a while. And I thought, you know what? Uh, It's overgrown the spot. We we don't want it in this spot anymore. But I thought rather than cut it down, why don't we try to dig it up and put it somewhere we would like to have that tree. Trees are not cheap, especially not that size. So I thought, okay. And I began to get my tools and go after this tree. And 
On the second night of battle with this tree, I had to call in reinforcements. I had to call in Mrs. Jones. and needed some help. needed another hand. And after digging a trench around this tree, you would think this thing is coming up any time and severing roots and finally getting to the end of this thing and realizing that when this thing was planted, it was anchored deep in the ground with some metal wire wrapped around the base of that tree. And so it took a while, but as I was digging and cutting and preparing to take this thing out, it's like as if this tree was saying, leave me alone. This is my home. This is where I belong. I'm firmly rooted here. Friends, as followers of Christ, when it comes to navigating this world when the devil tempts us to despair, when he throws lies and temptation our way, we ought to be prepared to say, no, leave me alone. My home is secure in Christ, in faith in Christ. Leave me alone. In Jesus Christ is my home. Meadowbrook, there's a battle raging for our souls, but there's a sovereign Savior who's equipped us for the fight. There's a sovereign Savior who's equipped us for the fight. Do you know the Savior? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? He is sovereign over every enemy, the suffering servant and the good shepherd, the Lamb of God and the true Lion of the tribe of Judah. Paul has already told us in chapter 1, he said, In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. The Savior is sovereign even over our enemies. Christ the King has already won the battle. He's already achieved victory over Satan and his pawns, but Christ's victory has not yet been fully implemented. I mean, we know this. But one day it will be. One day the King will return and his kingdom will be fully realized. But until then, the defeated army continues waging war against Christ's church, fighting vehemently and viciously, but the outcome is certain. It is secure. And notice here that we're not told to win this battle. Paul doesn't say win the battle. No, we're not told to win the battle, but to stand confident that the battle's already been won. We take our stand against the enemy by putting our confidence in Christ, believing the truth of the gospel. Church, there's a sovereign Savior who's equipped us for the fight, so let's put on His armor. And His armor is His gospel, so we appropriate His strength for battle by believing the truth of Christ. Believe the truth of Christ. How do we prepare for this battle? What what armor is it that we're to take up? To believe the truth of Christ, to put on the belt of truth, is to believe the truth. And the truth is in Jesus, chapter 4, verse 21. Are you looking for answers for what's going on? Look to Christ. Well, sinner, turn to Christ. Cry out to Him. Believe in Christ. Rest in Christ. Look to Christ, the one who is the way to the Father. Don't believe the worldwide propaganda machine. Don't believe the messages that tell you to hate yourself as unlovable and unworthy. Don't believe the messages that tell you to worship yourself, to exalt yourself, and to pursue your own way. No, but rather believe God's promise that He sent His 
perfect son to save you because he loves you. Believe the truth of Christ and then live out your identity in Christ. Live out your identity in in Christ. This is a letter about being in Christ. It's written to the people of Christ who are in Christ, who have been saved by the grace of God through the blood of Christ. And Paul is saying, live out your position, your status in the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on God's armor, the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. I think Paul's telling us to believe the truth of God's grace and then to live as recipients of his grace. This is what he meant earlier when he said, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Chapter 4, verse 1. In chapter 4, verse 24. To put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. The new self is the new life. The new identity in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our righteous deeds. Paul's abundantly clear about that. We're saved by God's grace alone. But then we live for the Savior because we're mesmerized by His grace. Friend, do you know the riches of God's grace? Do you know the goodness and the mercy of the Father who saves, the one that we worship, the one who forgives us and rescues us and restores us and gives us peace with Him? By God's grace, we have peace with Him through faith in Christ. Let's embrace the peace of Christ. Let's embrace the peace of Christ. Stand firm with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, and verse 15, and feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Paul's probably alluding here to an Old Testament text in Isaiah, a text portraying God's messenger bringing good news of peace. But his focus here is on being ready to stand in Christ, standing firm in Christ because you're at peace with Christ. Are you at peace with Christ? Embrace the peace God gives in Christ and trust in Christ. Trust in Christ. See, to take up the shield of faith is to continually trust in Jesus. It is to look to Christ in faith for salvation. So look to Christ in faith for access, open access into the presence of God coming before the Father. Trust in Christ is to look to Christ in faith for a permanent relationship with Him. Are you in a relationship with Him? Are you right with the Lord? Have you been reconciled to your Maker because you've received the forgiveness of sins made available to you and to me in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you turned and trusted in Christ? When we are looking to Jesus in faith, we stand united in Christ and ready, ready to stand firm against whatever attacks the devil launches our way. So brothers and sisters, believe the truth of Christ. Live out your identity as people of Christ. Embrace the peace of Christ. Trust in Christ and put your hope in Christ. Nowhere else. Put Your hope, your hope in life and in death in the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope we're seeing that being in Christ is the key to victory. Put your hope in Christ. Elsewhere in the New Testament, Paul calls this helmet of salvation a helmet of the hope of salvation. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 8. And in the first century Roman world, many believed that false gods controlled their fate. I think the word is calling here. Paul's reminding us 
that Christ holds our future. So ultimately in His hands and He will save His people. Our future, our hope is in Him. Put your hope in Christ and finally speak the gospel of Christ. Speak the gospel of Christ. Here's the only offensive weapon mentioned here. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, verse 17. Probably a reference to the gospel itself. Paul likes to use it that way. If you want to be prepared to stand firm against the devil's schemes, speak the gospel. Speak the gospel, the message of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Speak it again and again and again. Speak it to yourself and to the enemy and to the world. Friends, there's a sovereign Savior who's equipped us for the battle. He's equipped us to battle the enemy. His power, the power that saves and secures sinners, is ours in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only is His power available to us, but He stands ready and eager and willing to hear from us and to help us. Church, we we're traveling through a broken world, and as we travel through this world, bombarded by attacks from the enemy, the God of this age, on our way to our heavenly home, there's a life line always open to us. A lifeline always open to us. When I hear the word lifeline, I can't help but think of that game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? A show that many love to watch and no doubt others love to compete in for the chance to answer questions for a million dollars. And in that game, you had different lifelines that would help you along the way when you get stuck. And one of those lifelines was phone a friend. You could phone up somebody, a friend that you know that's on alert, that you think may know the answers to a lot of questions. And they got 30 seconds. You got 30 seconds to talk to them about the answer. I think eventually that phased out because too many of those friends were using search engines in those 30 seconds. When it comes to the Lord, though, it's just not a one-time 30-second offer. This isn't all the time, everywhere, anytime, for whatever need. There's a lifeline always open to us. God Almighty, the one who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is our ever-present lifeline. And He neither slumbers nor sleeps. And he always hears our cries for help. He wants us to cry out to him, to walk by faith in him, talking to him, verse 18, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. We have permission, an open invitation to speak to God himself anytime about anything. What a privilege. Friends, what an honor, what an opportunity to be in relationship with God, the kind of relationship that invites constant and comprehensive prayer. Church, may we be a people who talk to God. May we be a people who put our faith in Him and who engage in prayer, who talk to Him. We know this as prayer. Pray. How should we pray? Pray for yourself, for fellow believers, and for gospel witness. I think we're told right here, we're invited right here in the Word to pray for ourselves, to pray for fellow believers, and pray for gospel witness. This text invites us to pray whenever for whatever. Our God delights in hearing from us. For He desires to hear from you about everything. That's the kind of relationship into which He invites us.
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12, in Christ and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In other words, through Jesus, the way has been opened to the Father. With faith in Christ, looking to Christ, we can go before God anytime, anywhere. The way has been opened. We can approach Him with Freedom and confidence. So pray for yourself, but not only for yourself. Pray for believers everywhere. Paul has already said, he's already written to this church in Ephesus in chapter 1, verse 16. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. And so church, may we too pray specifically for our brothers and sisters in Christ across Birmingham and around the globe. Pray for yourself, for fellow believers, and I think we see here for gospel witness. Evangelism is spiritual warfare. The enemy opposes it, but Christ equips his church to share the gospel. Even Paul, even Paul, the the great missionary theologian, knows he can't spread Jesus on his own. And so he says in verse 19, pray also for me. Pray for me. That whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Friend, there's a lifeline always open to us, even now, right now. So church, right now, would you, would you join me in speaking to him, the one who delights to hear from us and who is always available to us? Let's go before the Father confidently, through the blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, we bow before you now. Father, we come before you, not because we're worthy due to anything in us. Lord, we are sinners, undeserving. We are rebellious. We are unholy. Lord, we are wicked. We have often gone our own way. But yet you have made a way, Lord, to... Declare us righteous in your eyes to fully forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from our filth, Lord, that we might be right before you. Lord, you have, you've granted us salvation. You're covered us. You have covered us through the blood of Christ. You have called us to be your people and now you invite us to approach you with freedom and confidence. And so, Lord, that is what we are doing this morning. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Oh, Lord, lead us to trust in you. To stand firm upon the truth of your gospel, Lord, to put our hope in you, to embrace peace with you through the Lord Jesus Christ, to to believe confidently that you are who you say you are. Lord, that you reign over all, that you're majestic and splendid and eternal and righteous and true, and that there is no one like you, that you are incomparable, the God who has always been and who will always be, and yet you invite us to be part of your kingdom. Lord, through Jesus, you you give us peace with you. A relationship with you. Lord, you grant us citizenship among your people and call us members of your household, adopting us as your children. Lord, we thank you for that. And Father, we pray that believers across this city, Father, and around the world today would be encouraged by that reality. Oh, Lord, remind us 
of the truth of the gospel, and may we build our lives upon it. Lord, lead us to walk with you. And Father, as we walk with you, we pray that you would lead us and others who know you, Lord, to share and to show the riches of your grace. Oh, Lord, may we be a people who share the truth. Father, lead us now as we respond to you, as we sing your praises. Lord, as we open our lives and our hearts to you, lead us for your glory. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.